Welcome to the Three to Ten Project. Two white, cisgendered males who've been friends for over 25 years, exploring race, gender, and education by talking through the intersection of our experiences with what we're reading, listening to, and thinking about. And most importantly, considering how to show up moving forward. It's a long-term commitment, three to 10 years of anti-racist culture building. I'm Mark. I'm Reed. Just a quick note on the name for this podcast. Three to 10 Project has been borrowed from Resma Menicum. You can learn more about this idea and about Resma at the link shared in the podcast description. Let's get to it. Yep, and that's Mark's footsteps. Turns out he's a bit more coherent when he is running. Good morning, Mark. I hear you're back on the road. Good morning. <laughs> yep. Today is a uh, 10-mile easy run. Uh, yeah. And uh, it looks like, you know, it's, what's the date today? The 10th? Um, <laughs> no, March 10th? It's, it's March 13th. March 13th. Oh, March 13th. And my point is only that I think, at least in the Northeast, we've seen the coldest weather we're going to see. Not that it's not going to be chilly, but I think we're done with being in the teens during the day. And, uh, yeah, kind of getting a little spring fever going yeah it's, we had a couple nice days a little colder today but uh yeah spring is on the way that's been the talk in all my zoom calls this week uh everybody's bringing up yeah i uh i hadn't actually looked at the date that it's march 13th that date we this week there's been a lot of talk about kind of the anniversary of uh covid19 kind of really becoming I think both named a, a, a pandemic officially and really starting to impact the US. March 13th last year was my last regular work day. I remember because it was Friday the 13th and I actually helped organize a, a fairly small um, alternative education conference here in Maine. And we'd been talking about whether to cancel it. We had it on Friday. And then as of the following Monday, uh, everything was um, had been entirely moved to remote. So today is sort of officially the the one year point from my last day of in person work. Yeah. Whew. Well, seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, as they say these days. And hopefully, we'll get there in a few months. Yeah. Well, jo Joanna. Joanna had her first vaccination shot as a teacher. Um, so she's mm -hmm. gotten that. So she'll get another one oh, yeah. in, uh, in like two weeks. Um, my parents are fully vaccinated. You know, Joanna's dad is. So progress is being made there too. So that's good. And uh, speaking of vaccines, yesterday my father, you know, who's a, like the longest practicing dentist in Worcester, Massachusetts, um, started working at the Falmouth Community Health Clinic 
doing vaccinations. Oh, that's great. And so he actually vaccinated a whole bunch of people yesterday. Yeah. So that is, we're on all sides of this. That is fantastic. Well, good for him. Doc Waxman out there making it happen. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to him. Um, yeah. So we didn't really pick a reading or anything for this week, but, you know, a couple things going on. I think I maybe want to talk about uh, discomfort around anti-racism and what, how that shows up in groups, especially, you know, for white people, but then specifically my relationship to discomfort. Um, and I guess the headline on this is I'm in groups where in one in particular, really seeing a lot of, you know, what we call now white fragility and kind of a discomfort with being uncomfortable, right? Like where we want to try to move to, all right, I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable or at least willing to be. And uh, what that's so, you know, there's this whole thing about like, what do you do when people are uncomfortable? You can tell, and they're kind of have the symptoms of white fragility pointing out, how much do you kind of take care of them, coddle them, try to get them, move them along, or do you just say, all right, we're moving on. You know, that, that I think is a question. So maybe that's one thing to discuss. I think maybe more important is, as I've been talking with Jonna a bit and thinking about my own ability to handle discomfort, I think I get a lot of, like, positive reinforcement from various individuals and groups that I'm like, you know, like that I'm doing the work and willing to kind of get into it. But as I reflect on it, I think I'm recognizing that most of the time and the situations they're referring to, I'm actually not uncomfortable. I think partly because in a lot of the situations I'm in a leadership role, I kind of tap into my, you know, 48 years of building white male kind of a self-esteem that, like, it's hard to get me, it's to get uncomfortable. And then it kind of got me thinking, well, you know, where's my edge? And... I'm talking about other people's edges all the time, but am I willing to go to my edge and maybe, maybe not, or maybe not, um, maybe a little unsure how to do it or not really looking for it. So that's kind of something that's been coming up for me. Let me pause there. Do you, when you say, it's it's hard like are you saying i 
that you don't get uncomfortable very often? And, and are you saying yeah. that maybe, so, but is that true? Like, is there an element yeah, of, true. you don't, okay. Because I, I think oh, go that, ahead, go ahead. Poke yeah, I mean, what, what, <laughs> my, my poking would be that maybe you, A, maybe you aren't allowing yourself to get uncomfortable in some way. Yeah. Maybe either you're actually not being challenged very hard and you think you are, but you're not. Um, or somehow there's, there is a protective deflection that goes on that you don't recognize. I don't, I don't know. Um, but that's just one thing I'm wondering. Cause, cause it sounds like, like if, if I could say back, maybe a paraphrase of what I'm hearing, it sounds like, oh yeah, people are saying I'm doing hard work. Uh, I think I'm, you know, I think I am. I think I'm both introspective and active. And at the same time, like, I don't feel uncomfortable about it. So what does that mean? And so uh, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, it's truly like you're so in touch with yourself that anything that would make someone else discomfort doesn't, doesn't affect you, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I don't think that's what's going on. <laughs> I think it's more, this is my theory, again, like, um, in spaces where I'm maybe a little bit more advanced, in the sense that I've, you know, done some reading, done some reflection, done some talking, had some experiences, you know, like I've, could draw upon all of that, and that I, I don't think I should uh, minimize just kind of the general, whatever, whether you want to call it hubris or confidence, that just is being a white male in a position of power, which even in these spaces, typically I am, like I'm still in a leadership role in a lot of these spaces. So very much kind of in control of some of the things that are happening. And so, you know, it's all relative, I guess, is the kind of way to look at it is, well, you can look at other people's fragility and discomfort, say, gosh, that doesn't, that doesn't make me uncomfortable. But I think it's more important for me to say, okay, so big deal, that doesn't make me uncomfortable. Why am I not doing the thing, the kind of next thing that would make me a bit uncomfortable? The example here is that, um, you know, I've been in situations, usually more with one person that, you know, at a time where I, that's more of a peer where I've kind of let things go without confronting them. And in situations where I'm in more of a leadership position or more in a group, I've kind of been more willing to do, say or do things. So I guess my point is, I think I can identify situations where I haven't stepped into the discomfort. And I'm just recognizing that for each of us on this kind of path, around anti-racism, where we are 
what makes us uncomfortable is different and changes over time. And that I guess I'm kind of challenging myself to step into it a bit more. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And, and one thing, so one thing that I was thinking about as I'm listening to you, also you're describing spaces particular, I bet we would characterize almost all of the, the spaces that you're in as white spaces. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's yeah. also the fact like when you say like, hey, I've done more readings, I've had more experience, you know, than the people around me, the people around you you're talking about are probably for the most part white people. Right, and of course. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um I think there are very different experiences we both could be happening, <laughs> perhaps if we lived in a, a less segregated society or had less segregated lives, because we both have pretty segregated lives, um, racially segregated, where maybe there would be very healthy experiences we would be having uh, if we were in spaces that were predominantly black spaces, right? Predominantly people of color. Even, even if you weren't engaging specifically in issues of race, I think things would come up in a way in, if you were in some very different spaces. So the other piece yeah. about, we've talked about this before, sometimes it is easier maybe to confront a, you know, in a professional thing, or it's like, it's like the thing about like, it's easier to talk to, you know, maybe someone you don't know than your racist uncle at Thanksgiving, you know, about these things. So that interpersonal part uh, can be, can be harder too sometimes. Um, you know, why is it okay for us to speak up in some places or feel, uh, dive into discomfort in sometimes and not others? Um, you know, I don't know. No, I think that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like, so I was thinking of, you know, an example, example for me that's coming up of where I could, where I've chosen to remain silent. Um, where I think really just because of discomfort is with another white person who is a colleague that, you know, I'm worried about damaging the relationship or making it hard. And, you know, I'm probably worrying about it more than I need to. I also wanna, I'm always kind of sensitive to like not, trying to be more woke than the other person, you know, well, I know this and you don't type of thing, or I think this and you don't. Uh, so I'm any, anyway, I think, I think we'll leave it at this, at least for me in this next kind of time period, I'd like to at least be aware of when at a minimum aware of when I'm choosing not to say or do stuff because I'm worried about discomfort and then ideally stepping into it a bit and seeing what happens. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. As you were talking, one thing I was thinking about is, so discomfort is a barrier for people, can be a barrier for people. That's a little bit what we're talking about. That's the idea of white fragility, right? It's that because I'm not good at being in places where I feel uncomfortable because generally I'm, I'm dominant in, in, in uh, sort of cultural spaces, then I, I don't, 
sort of learn, I don't engage, that kind of stuff. It's probably a good thing if very often you're able to have conversations and feel like you're contributing to some sort of anti-racist work and you're not feeling discomfort around it. Like, that's a good thing. I don't want to say like, boy, we should be feeling uncomfortable more necessarily out of this. Um, but I think what you're, what I'm now hearing you say is, but there are times when let's, let's, it's mindfulness, right? Let's be aware of when right. there yes, it is. That maybe I haven't even sort of named or uh, realized that might be preventing me from saying something, acting on something, or maybe even just being more self-reflective at a moment. So that seems like it's, it's the challenge here in the short term is to recognize, wait a minute, maybe this is a situation I'm not feeling good about. Maybe I'm not engaging with this person right now because I'm worried about how it would go. Let's, let's name that and maybe then make a deliberate decision about whether or not I'm going to engage instead of sort of reactively moving on, something like that. Right. Yep, that's perfect. It is mindfulness. Like, how does this tie, help me for a minute, how does this tie to yeah. mindfulness? And, um... I think there is some big connection here. I mean, at least to my organization, we're definitely making the case that mindfulness supports anti-racism and justice because of exactly this, like this awareness. Well, I think we could, you know, not to get overly technical, but I do think this is relevant. I think there's three areas here. There's self-awareness, which is what you just described. You know, do I know what's going on with me when I'm uncomfortable, when I'm hiding from it? You know, that type of thing. What's making me uncomfortable? Then there's the social awareness. What's going on with other people? Especially, you know, people of color. Can I, as a white person, can I raise my awareness to the level where I'm like, what are they experiencing in this moment that I should be aware of? And then the third... Third thing is systems awareness. And with systems awareness, I think we're talking about institutional, systemic systems of oppression and systemic racism and being aware of that. And seeing yourself, this is really important, seeing yourself in the system. You know, I think the big idea here is that if mindfulness helps build some space, creates ability for more awareness. And to kind of be a kind of non-judgment or curiosity about experience, I think it does allow people to explore in a deeper way what's really going on with them and with others, which I think is critical for um, you know, for the anti-racist work, you know, knowing really not hiding from yourself and bringing real understanding what's going on with other people. So I'll kind of leave it at that. Well, I, I, you know, as you know, I'm, uh, 
I've been doing a little bit of mindfulness work. There have been some um, parent mindfulness courses I'm taking through our local school district. I actually did a thing, you led a thing that I participated in uh, that connected mindfulness and running. Um, so this is great for me. I mean, I feel like I'm learning a lot in this area right now. And so I think I'm going to try to, maybe it's a, it's a step uh, earlier than what you're talking about uh, focusing on, but I think I'm just going to try to get to this better sense of self-awareness over the next couple of weeks uh, and really being aware in, in general, but being aware of uh, trying to create curiosity when I feel myself um, maybe entering any kind of area of discomfort, like curiosity about what's that from. And maybe that idea of curiosity is like a good cue for me to hold in my mind to be nudging myself towards more self-awareness in what might be difficult situations. Yeah. Another couple quick thoughts are, you know, like kind of this idea of seeing yourself in the movie, in the movie, like not being in the movie, but seeing the movie that's happening. And, or another way to say it is like, noticing the stories that you're telling yourself or what's, you know, what's the story you're living. That's all awareness. And I think important uh, for us to, to notice and make change. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. We, um, you know, is it, is it, you know, it's a windy day out there. We didn't have the best audio today, but I still feel like I learned a lot from you, Mark, as always. I appreciate this. And I've got some, uh, things to be thinking about, obviously, as we go into the coming uh, week. So I thank you for that. I shall try to be a more curious uh, and noticing person in the coming days. Uh, I think, you know, as talking through certainly helps me, and I think uh, I have the same job ahead of me. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. Finish your run well. Uh, enjoy the bright, sunny weather, even though it's a bit colder than it's been. Uh, enjoy the rest of your run. Thanks. Bye. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to episode 13 of the 3 to 10 project, Discomfort, recorded March 13th, 2021. Also appreciate you hanging with us through audio challenges this week. Mark was really dealing with some wind and cell reception issues. And a big shout out to Random Chiz for our theme music.